Turn to Psalm 25, please. Well, it's Father's Day, and there is very, there is very little, uh, in general, that I like less about preaching than preaching special event Sundays. I'm just going just gonna to be straight up, be honest with you about this. However, inevitably, it is a delight in the end. It's just the preparation that I don't like so much. It seems like every time I've got to try to come up with something new to say, well, one, one thing is for sure. Of all the special days, it seems like Father's Day is the easiest to always come up with something that seems new to me anyway. Part of the reason for that is because God is our Father. And if you could ever run out of things to say about God the Father, you may as well just stop preaching, right? (laughs) There is no end to what we can and need to learn about our Heavenly Father. So as we were driving back from down south this week, Paul and Alex and I, they reminded me that it was Father's Day, which I actually knew this time. (laughs) And I still hadn't figured out what I was going to preach on. And, you know, we've been, I've been preaching this series on the Psalms. And I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to read Psalm 25 and see. And I, I started reading Psalm 25, and I thought, what more could you ask for, for for a Father's Day text? Now, it might not be that obvious to you why I would say that, but I hope by the end it will be clear. So as we read Psalm 25, I want you to think about what it means to be a father. Okay, What does it mean to be a father? It's not until the New Testament that we are taught that God is our Father. Okay? That's a pretty amazing, big, new thing that happens in the New Testament. But, let's be clear about one thing. God did not change in the New Testament. God did not change When he sent his son, he simply revealed himself more fully to us. And so, many places in the Old Testament, we see his fatherhood shining through, like in this psalm. So fathers, as we read, think about what it will look like for you to be a father like our Heavenly Father. And all the rest of you, all the rest of you, as we read, think about what the psalmist shows us 
about what your relationship with your heavenly father and your earthly father should look like. Please stand for the reading of God's word now. Psalm 25, a psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness. For they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me. For your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with violent hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. For I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. You remember in the New Testament that we're told that we have to have faith like a child, right? Faith like a child. We are to become as children. Thinking about God as our Father, all of a sudden, that makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Here, David is looking to God with the faith of a child. He simply, he simply calls out and expects, like a child expects when they call, Daddy, Daddy, the Daddy's going to come. Right? 
Daddy is going to come. We see David's trust in that, that he can simply call out to the Lord all through this psalm. Trusting him because he is faithful. He is faithful. Look at the beginning of this psalm. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. What does it mean to lift up your soul? Kids, do you have any ideas on that? That's kind of a hard question. Let's see if we got any answers out there. What does it mean to lift up your soul? Any ideas? Of ways that you could lift up your soul, maybe? What's that? By being happy? Is that what you said? Yeah? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that a C-. minus. <laughs> it's pretty good. How old are you? Six. Really good for a six-year-old. I might have to give you a B-plus on that. Okay, I gave you time to think about it, adults. Does any, do any of you adults want to? I won't give you a letter grade. I won't embarrass you on that. Oh, Liam, go ahead. By praying. Yeah, certainly. Absolutely, that's one way that we are able to lift up our souls to the Lord, right? This is, this is what David is doing here. In, as, as he speaks to the Lord in this psalm, but is he just speaking to the Lord? Is he, is he just praying here? What are the Psalms? They're songs, right? And so he's not just, he's not just speaking to the Lord, but he is, kids, singing, singing to the Lord, right? So he is, he is singing his praises about God, and he is singing his prayers to God. Now, some of us are are more uh, musical than others, right? Some of us are more inclined to sing, and some of us are less inclined to sing. I've I've got a couple of kids that just burst into song like life is a musical, yeah, they're, whatever room of the house they're in, you might hear them just start singing. David is a singer. David is a man after God's own heart, and he sings. He writes songs. And so when he says, I lift up my soul, and you think of the intimacy that you see in this psalm and the trust that he has to God, I can't help but think not just about singing, but about a little child with their hands raised, right? The child that, that says, you know, up, up, Papa, is lifting up their hands to the Lord, and really, they are offering themselves to their father and in complete and utter trust that their father loves them 
They give themselves over to his care, right? They're placing themselves in his hand. Now, to do that requires a very, very deep trust or very, very simple faith, the faith of a child. child that believes that their father loves them and that when he picks them up, he's not going to do bad things to them, but good things, right? He's going to hold them and comfort them and, and burp them if they're, if they're really little, right? That's, that's the love of a father and the, the faith, the, the, the faith that David has here, he just, he lifts up his soul to the Lord, trusting that his heavenly father will not give him a snake when he asks for fish, right? Not going to give him rocks when he asks for bread. He's not going to drop him when he picks him up. This is the faith of a child. And so, Boy, you, you think of what it means to be a father. And you think of the trust that your children start out placing in you. And you realize how, what would I say, uh, you know, misplaced that, that simple faith is. Like, ah, we do drop them. That's leaving aside the fact that we sin against them. But our Heavenly Father... He never, he never drops us. When we lift up our soul to him, he takes it. He provides for us. So we can put our trust in him, and that trust will never be misplaced. To have misplaced trust is, in the end, to be ashamed that you put your trust in somebody, right? Right? Oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever had your children have enemies. I have. I remember when Eliza was getting punched by a little boy in our neighborhood. And he, well, little is probably the wrong word for him. He was big. And you know what? I was angry. I was angry. And he felt my anger. He felt my hand. Now think about your Heavenly Father. Do you have enemies? You do have enemies. Satan is your enemy, and he is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, If God is your Father, does that give you hope to overcome a roaring lion who is your enemy? 
Those who deal treacherously. Turns out they are the ones that will be ashamed. Ashamed that they tried to mess with God's children. That's good news. It's a happy thing to have God as your father. He is faithful. Now, fathers, be faithful. Faithful to your children. Faithful to meet their needs. Faithful to protect them from enemies. And enemies are not just spiritual enemies. That's why I gave the example of a very flesh and bone and blood little boy, right? There are many, many enemies in this world that we are to do the hard work of protecting our children from. Now, how do you protect your children from the enemies that they're going to face in 40 years, in in 10 years, even in five years? Are you going to be there with them the whole time? Our Heavenly Father is. Our Heavenly Father is, and that is, that is sweet. Well, we have right here, I'm, I'm going slow through this, I know. You know, I, we could, I could spend hours and hours talking about this, but I won't go on for hours, I promise. But, but look at the beginning of this. You, you move straight from God being faithful to verse 4. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Now, if you want to be protected from enemies, kids, learn the paths that your father teaches you. Walk in those paths and you will be protected. You understand? You must walk in those paths if you want to be protected from your enemies. Those are safe paths. Your father does not want you to go off on the path to destruction. He wants you to walk on the paths that the Lord has laid down. Straight paths, narrow paths, yes. And you think, but I don't want to be on a narrow path. I like the path over there that looks like it's easy. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. You see how it gets back to that protection, how he's faithful to protect his children? You are the God of my salvation. That's why we need him to teach us. For you I wait all the day. God is faithful. God is a protector. And one of the ways that he protects us is by teaching us his paths that we may walk in them. So fathers, teach your children his paths that they may walk in them. And they will, when they are old, not depart from them, which is to say, not be seduced by enemies, not be uh, bullied off the path by enemies, right? 
all the different ways, not trip off the path, by snares set by enemies. When they are old, they will not depart from those paths. They will not depart from the truth that you have invested in them, planted in them, disciplined into them, right? Doesn't doesn't it take discipline to push that truth in? Doesn't it take digging on hard ground to get the seed in there? This is your work, fathers. This is your work. Don't grow weary of protecting your children before they've even hit their enemies. Remember what is at stake. Remember how God has time and time and time again taught you patiently his truth, shown you his paths again, brought you back to his paths again. Do not lose hope. Do not grow weary. But continue to teach, continue to protect your children. And kids, there's a beautiful thing about the way God has made us. And that is that boys want to do what their dads do. Boys want to do what their dads do. Now, it's, I say it's beautiful, but it's really scary for dads because we know all the things that we do that we don't want our kids to do. And then we start seeing them do all the things that we don't want them to do, right? But make me know your ways, O oh Lord. You see, you see that? What is that except learning to do what he does. It's not just the paths that he has set. It's the path that he, that he walked. It's, it's what he does that we are to do. He is a protector. He is a teacher. Now, you move forward from here, and all of a sudden what you see is that he switches to a prayer, a song. In the middle of the song, he switches to confession. He switches to repentance, to to apology, to confession. Right? And to prayers for forgiveness. Why? Why does that happen? Well, you, you can't help but go there after you have thought about the paths of the Lord and that you're supposed to be walking on them, right? Immediately, I hope, if you know yourself, you will, what? You'll think, oh, I know that path. And I know where I've been zigzagging. I know where I've been wandering. I know where I've been off the path. 
And so what does he do? He asks the Lord to remember his compassion and loving kindness. Now, fathers, if he has been compassionate, if he in his loving kindness has been patient with us, how much more should we as sinners be patient with our children, compassionate, though they sin. He is perfectly holy. He is justified in condemning. When we condemn, every time we know our own sin, Don't we? I hope you do. You know your own sin, though you discipline your children, right? And and that that is part of what makes discipline hard, is because in order to do it, you have to repent. You have to repent before you discipline. There's just no two ways about it. God doesn't have to repent. He has to remember his, his patience and loving kindness and compassion, right? Because why? Because we keep sinning over and over and over. And so do our children. But at least, at least we, being sinners, have no excuse not to be patient and compassionate. He is compassionate and forgiving and loving of us. And you think, yeah, that's what I want in a father. That's exactly what a father is supposed to be, isn't it? Yep. That's because he is the father from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth gets its name. So yeah, that's what we're supposed to be. If, is he loving? Is he compassionate? Then you are to be too. All through this psalm, we see this theme of trusting in the Lord. We see it in his forgiveness, trusting that his compassion and loving kindness are for us, though we sin, that we can come to him. But also, trusting that he will provide for us. Now, kids, does your dad make sure you have everything you need? Y'all have food this week? Y'all have clothes? Who do you think did that? Everybody say, Mom did. (laughs) Right? We, there's, a, there's, there's often a step removed, and, and it's easy. So this is why I want to take this opportunity right now, kids, to remind you. Your dad went out to work every day so that you could have those clothes, so that you could have that food. Your dad loves you. So does your mom. 
And she probably, she probably worked really, really hard as well. I think. Probably. But don't forget, your dad worked, didn't he? Did he provide for you? Did he get you what you needed? God is our provider. He protects us and he provides for us as our father. And so we can trust him to provide for us. Now don't despise that. You should be grateful for what your father is giving you. Your earthly fathers and your heavenly father. You should be grateful because he is giving you good things. He is giving you good things. Now today, it's very easy, not just because I said, you know, it's, it's one step removed. You don't come back literally with the bacon generally, right? Your wife does. So that's one step removed. But there's other reasons why it's easy today to despise the provision of fathers. One of those reasons is because we don't look to fathers to provide anymore today. We look to mothers. We look to the government. We look to all kinds of things rather than our father. You see the temptations that are wrapped up in that? You see the dangers of thinking you don't need him? Do you need your father? You do need your father. And even if somebody else will make sure that you have clothes and food, they cannot ever provide for you what you need like your father does. You understand that? We know this is true when we look in this culture and we see the number of children that don't have a father, right, that are raised in divorced homes, and we see that they are not doing well. They're not doing well. Why are they not doing well? It's not because... Properly developing children need two well-adjusted adults in their lives. You understand? They need a father to provide what a father provides. And so don't get stuck too much on the material provision. What your father has given you is much, much more than that. Hopefully, one of the things that your father has given you is a good and healthy fear of authority. You you must fear 
your heavenly Father. That's where the psalm goes next. Reiterates it several times. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. If you don't fear the Lord, you don't get that instruction. Right? Now, how do you learn to fear the Lord? He disciplines you. Right? And all of a sudden, you have fear. Good, healthy fear. So what does your Father provide for you? What does your Heavenly Father provide for you? My soul will abide in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. Whose descendants? God's descendants, right? The psalmist is speaking of God. The Lord, our Heavenly Father. But descendants, what does that mean, kids? I think I asked this recently in a sermon. What are descendants? Yeah. They're not just like children. They're like, they are children. Descendants. Whose descendants? God's descendants. God's what? God's children. God's children will inherit the land. What's he going to give you? The land. That's a a big inheritance, isn't it? You know, I, I uh, I might get a grandfather clock. There's a lot of things I might get. I should get the grandfather clock if I, if I live long enough. But the land? All of it? Why? Well, because it's God's and he's our father. And that, so that's our inheritance. Our inheritance is the land. All of it. Paradise. His kingdom. He's our father. He gives it to his children. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? It can make you, could tempt you to to think, well, what's this poor, pathetic, earthly father going to give me, right? (laughs) Hey, what is he giving you? He is giving you this inheritance because he is passing on his faith to you. If you reject his teaching, if you reject his instruction, if you refuse to fear him, if you refuse to follow in his footsteps, if you reject his faith, you reject the inheritance of the Lord. You understand? You have this gift, this inheritance from your heavenly Father through the work of earthly fathers. Through the work of earthly fathers. Thank them for disciplining you. Thank them for providing for you. Thank them for loving you. 
And yes, forgive them for failing you. And fathers, listen to the end of this. Listen to how God's compassion and loving kindness play out in him comforting his children. That requires real patience, fathers. Comforting your children requires real patience, doesn't it? He says, turn and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Get over it. Is that, what, is that God's response? Get over it. And forgive all my sins. And forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with violent hatred. In other words... As our children face life, it doesn't actually really change. They fall down and skin their knee, and it seems like the world is ending, right? And you have to comfort them patiently and think, you know, it would be really funny if adults acted this way. And yet adults do act this way. We fall down and skin our knees the same way these little things, and we think it's the end of the world. And God is patient and compassionate with us. When we come to him like, oh no, it's the end of the world. And he's going, no, it's, it's really not. I'm in charge of the world. I know when it's ending, and it's not ending. You see? So be patient. Be compassionate with your children. Comfort them when they're sad. And save them from trouble. Save them from trouble. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. There are lots of troubles. Your children will grow up and face troubles that you don't want by any means for them to face. If you haven't thought about that, you better realize it now. They will face troubles that will bring you much, much grief. And a lot of the ones that will bring you the most grief will be because they are a result directly from your failures. Not always, right? But, but a lot of the time, those are the ones that bring us the most grief because we think, ah, me. It's my fault. If only I had, if only I hadn't, they wouldn't be facing this. but we have a Redeemer in Israel. God, our Heavenly Father, is a perfect Father to us and to our children. (laughs) That's wonderful news. 
Because really, you want him to be their father, don't you? Much more than you want to be their father. You want him to be their father. Trust him to deliver them. Trust him to deliver them from the things that you cannot and ultimately, you must remember, really never could deliver them from. Because you passed on your sinful nature to them. It's not in your power to undo that. But our Heavenly Father has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to undo the power of sin. To defeat death. To uncorrupt this world and all his children in it. He will redeem us. Let's pray.